Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus on Balfour 88.1. Point of information. Good evening. It has just gone. Not even seven o'clock yet we are very early and you are tuned into Vow fm 88.1 my name is melissa Tindiweni, and i am with tapo Mohappy. welcome to law focus yeah like they say the early bird catches the worm and uh, welcome to the show law focus aims to deal with issues relating to legal matters and our our main objective is to inform you about your legal rights while trying to make sense of current issues and um, topics within the law Definitely. And uh, many of you may have heard by now about the Department of Basic Education's proposed comprehensive sexuality education curriculum, which is deemed as controversial by some sectors of our society. So I'm not going to try and explain what it is. I'm not going to give you my interpretation because we're going to get them on the line and they themselves are going to tell us what it's all about and help you unpack what misconceptions you might be having. So you're going to hear it from the the horse's mouth we're going to have spokesperson of the department elijah mchanga and he's going to give us the details of what this proposed lo curriculum is all about and whether they followed the right channels in drafting and tabling the curriculum because we are a law show we have to deal with procedure yeah i mean it's quite a mouthful basic education proposed comprehensive sexuality education but anyway it's sex ed if we can just put it down into a nutshell uh, and we and because we have uh, sections of the population that are not pleased with the proposed uh, curriculum surprise surprise uh, we decided to invite freedom of religions Daniela Ella Beck to share with us what her what their fears are about it and perhaps where she thinks that the department may not have gotten it 100% correct mm. Uh, we don't leave it there and we sum up the conversation with an educational law author who's also the deputy CEO of the Federation of Governing Bodies of South African Schools, FEDSAS. Yeah, South Africans love these these, these bodies, you know. <laughs> Name <laughs> is Yaku Dilken. <laughs> and he's going to be speaking on his analysis of the proposed curriculum changes and our policy making in education should work in an ideal situation. Remember, we've got a really packed show, but we still love to hear from you and interact with you and listen to what you have to say about it. You can do that. Share your thoughts and your views on our WhatsApp line at 084-078-4912. And you can also tweet us at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. Uh, for podcasts, it's vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law. Not HTTP. No, hey, no, it's, um, <laughs> it's like a blast from the past, that one. And remember, you're listening to the law focused on VOW FM 88.1. Coming up next, our legal hotspot, which are le- uh, our, uh, our hottest legal stories of the week. I'm Tapu Mohabi, and Millicent is with me. Rounding up all, all the top all stories the of, the week. of the week, it's Legal Hotspots. So in our first story this evening, there have been developments in the case of Uyinene Mkwekiana. You might remember, you should remember, that she was one of the quite a number of ladies who were murdered earlier this year, uh, horrifically raped and then gruesomely murdered uh, in August. And the country was, was, we were not happy. Yeah, it was was her murder that uh, sparked um, massive protests. And the gender-based violence uh, strikes that took place, exactly. And uh, in no particular order, the developments that have arisen are that, first of all, the 
courts that is going to hear the matter is going to be the Western Cape High Court. So it won't be the Weinberg Magistrate Court, which is where the initial appearances were. Mm. And then the second development in this case is that of the perpetrator. So initially, the magistrate court had said that he should not be identified. And today, that decision was rescinded. Of course, people protested. And... um, you know, more legal uh, ramifications decided uh, the, with more legal uh, inclinations that the court looked at. They decided, actually, let us name this person. You can photograph him. Uh, let him be identified. And we now know that Luanda Buerta is the man who is uh, alleged to have committed these heinous, heinous, hideous crimes. He did not apply for, for bail. And at the moment, the case has been postponed to November 7 when we will next hear yeah. from it. I, I wonder what, it, what it, uh, ordinarily um, an accused may not be identified prior to appearing in court. And that would normally fall away as soon as he appears in court anyway. Uh, but prior to that, he would not be able to. Um, so I wonder what what the know, reasons were. Well, what was going on there? Mm. Uh, maybe there's a misinterpretation. I'm not sure. I didn't um, look Follow. too deeply into the reasons behind that. All right, but back to our political sphere. And Jacob Zuma, the former president, um, is going to challenge the judgment against him to apologize to Derek Hanakom was a member of the ANC NEC. A few months ago, it, uh, if you remember, it emerged that uh, Derek Hanekom had discussed plans to remove President, uh, to remove Zuma as president with the EFF. Um, a move that displeased Zuma so much that he took to social media to call Derek Hanekom an enemy agent, among many other things. Mm. After finding the statement to be derogatory and false, the uh, High Court ruled that Zuma should delete the statement from his social media platforms within 24 hours and apologize to Hanukum. Hanukum was also claiming 500,000 rand damages for defamation. The allegations were fairly serious uh, and uh, they could have been um, uh, caused some damage to his reputation. Of course. Hence, there are a million rand damages claim. Um, today, um, uh, Zuma appeared in the High Court again to, anyway, sought leave to appeal uh, the decision. And the judgment on that um, leave to appeal is expected to be delivered on Thursday. Mr. Zuma seems to have found a uh, very uh, entertaining hobby of litigating. And you know, man, he's not shy to litigate. <laughs> That is so cruel. He really, but he's not shy to litigate. I mean, he'll litigate on anything. I'm sure Mr. Zuma would now litigate on whether it's summer or technically <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it's not still laughing. spring. <laughs> you know what? And the thing is, it costs so much money, guys. Yeah, and it costs a lot some, of money. we're no longer paying for it. At the very least, we can say that. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm very excited about tonight's show. I think it's a bit of a continu- continuation from what the Love Shack were doing in its own way. Uh, so you want to stay tuned for that. If you listen to the Love Shack, you 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 going to be able to very easily follow through with what we're going to be having a chat about tonight. We are discussing the proposed plans by the Department of Education which are about the curriculum change that has people up in arms and we're going to find out who those people are and whether you are, if you are one of those entitled and should feel 
very nervous about some of the content that will be potentially taught to the learners in our school. So up next, we're going to be speaking to Elijah Mklanga, spokesperson from the Department of Education. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week, of the week. It's Legal Hotspots. Law Focus, point, point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus. We're discussing sex education and the proposed curriculum changes uh, within our schools. Uh, remember that we always love to hear from you. At Vow FM, this is Twitter now, at Vow FM using the hashtag Law Focus, and our WhatsApp number is 084-078-4912. It has just gone eight minutes past seven, and we are going to be speaking to Mr. Elijah Mlaga, and he's the spokesperson for the Department of Basic Education. Hello, Mr. Mlaga. Good evening. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's start. Let's get right into it. The proposed curriculum, what would you say it is supposed to achieve? Yeah, I've been listening to you there talking about the proposed curriculum change. There is no such. Uh, that's one of the untruths or the lies that we have had to address since we started talking about this matter. That there is no change to the curriculum. It is the exact same curriculum that has been in place since the year 2000. What we are doing now is to find a way of delivering it better because we have been observing that our objective of reducing HIV infections, unwanted learner pregnancies, as well as uh, uh, reducing uh, social ills that are affecting learners, have not worked. And we have therefore felt the need to bring in some different creative ways of teaching this same curriculum for a better and effective uh, outcome. Mm. Okay, mm. That's, 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 that sounds good. So it's about how it's going to be taught, not necessarily that a new, a new curriculum is being imposed at all. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And, and generally when... when so, because of that, then we, we're not speaking of a new curriculum. We can't say that there were certain procedures that were overlooked or a protocol uh, that was not followed through in in changing the strategy of educating learners? That's line number two. Um, the department has developed the scripted lesson plans which are being given to our teachers as part of a testing phase. It is a pilot. Usually when you are testing something to see whether it works or not, you don't ask for permission. You do it. You're testing it. Only when you are ready for a fully-fledged national rollout do you then go out on a wide, uh, on a large-scale consultation exercise. So that phase of, of, of it has not arrived as yet. What we have done now is to consult only the people, the parents and teachers and learners in those schools that are located in the five provinces where we are doing the pilot. Mm. So this is how we work. Whenever we introduce something, we test it first so that we are able to learn lessons, come back with the feedback, and then we say to South Africans, we have tested this thing. These are the results. 
we want to go out and implement this thing. What do you think? Mm. So we are not there yet. And that's that's what we've had to deal with. And we are not in implementing even in 2020, as some of the people have been saying. The problem with this thing is that it did not come from the department. The department was still deals with its own internal processes. And some organizations decided to go out to the public as though we were hiding something, when in fact we were not hiding anything. How can you hide something and then give it to five provinces, 14,000 teachers, and 300,000 learners? Is that the best way of hiding something? All right. I mean, you're saying that the, 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 um, uh, the pilot project is going to uh, be introduced to 300,000 learners. Oh, yes. yes, we have been piloting this thing and we had to select five provinces for us yeah. to be able to do this. And since then, we have um, we've, uh, infected some 14,000 teachers and 292,000 learners who have been infected by this. And we have spoken to them and the research has been done. Mm. And the research is telling us some interesting things. They are actually welcoming it and appreciating the intention of the department, which is to solve some of the social ills that are making life difficult for our learners to finish their schooling. Mm. People always blame the department to say, your learners are dropping out, a million start school every year, and yet in metric is only half that's into the exams. And they don't say, where did the people go? No one asks what, what happened to the learners. And when we say to them, no, some of these learners fell pregnant and are not able to come back and continue their education. Some of them come back later. Others drop out completely and go and work to support their children and their boys as well. You know, they now assume other responsibilities which they were not prepared for. So it is all of these things that we see. And we, by the way, see these things in schools because the children are with us every day in school. So we are better placed to understand the needs of the children. We also know that in many households, the issue of sex and sexuality is not discussed Parents are not feeling comfortable talking about these things. So school is the best place to explain to a grade 7 learner who is preparing to go to high school to understand why, what is puberty, uh, what are they supposed to do when they start going into their career, okay. why is your voice changing, all those conversations. Right. They're difficult conversations, and we're having them in school because we feel it's our responsibility to do so. All right, Mr. Mflang, I just wanted to take you back a little bit. I, I understand you say that it's a pilot project, and that, um, but it's a quite a massive pilot project if we're looking at figures in excess of 200,000. And so, of course, there will be people who have some concerns. Can you tell us about the process of getting to the stage where you can pilot something? What's the input from there? Where do we get the, where does the department get the information from uh, to collate, say, listen, we've got a problem, um, let's say, um, in this aspect of the education, or we need to improve on this side of the education, and we're going to roll it out in this way. Where, do, where does the department come up with those kinds of information in order to be able to at first create a pilot to see whether that will work? We, we research everything. Every little thing that we do is research. For example, we are the people that gather data 
every day, every week, every month, every year about the number of girls that are falling pregnant in their schools. That's why we tell you that there are 37 grade 12 learners in one school in Dipsloop who are falling pregnant. And then we take that number, we go to Limpopo, we go all over the place, and we give you an annual figure. And we ask ourselves, why is this number not going down? And then we get researchers to look into it. And some of those researchers, by the way, come from there, your university there, at they play a huge role in informing policy for the department. So that's what we do. We don't just wake up and want to do something. Every little thing that is happening is research. Even where we know what's happening, we always want some scientific data to give us a good sense of what is taking place. For example, we researched uh, among our teachers to find out if they knew enough about HIV and AIDS. And uh, one of the questions was asked to them whether uh, they would ever be infected with HIV. And they said no. And those that said no, 53% of them were actually already living with it. So we know because there's absenteeism in certain days from our teachers. So whenever we pick up a pattern, we want to find out what the causes are. We went and just we found that in fact when they are absent from school, they are going for medical checkups and all of those things. They're going to fetch their air reviews and all of those things. Mm. So there's nothing that we do without research. So... Right. Even these things, we had, we had to ask ourselves, what then is the role of the department in right. trying to solve this issue of learner pregnancy? Because they are not having sex in school. They are having sex out there in the community. But the impact of that comes to school. Then we said, what can be the role of education? And then we looked at our own content and we said, okay, guys, here's the curriculum. It was developed and put in place in 2000. But how else can we teach this curriculum so that the message gets across? We said, okay, let's look at how our teachers are teaching it. And then we found that there were inconsistencies. Some of our teachers, when it came to life orientation, they were inviting organizations to come and teach on their behalf because they didn't know where to find the information. Mm. Others would go on to Google, search, find material, videos, and pictures, and text which they use for teaching. We said it can no longer it can no longer be like that. We will go find good quality content, script it for you, and make sure that every teacher in every class in every grade will teach what the department has prescribed for them. Good. So it is exactly that scripted lesson plan that we are piloting to see how our teachers are teaching it. And that deals with this issue of some teachers saying, I'm not comfortable talking about sex or sexuality with grade fives or right. grade seven, whatever. Yes. So we are saying, no, 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 you need to teach it because there is a problem and we need to solve this problem. Your discomfort cannot disadvantage learners. It cannot, it's not about you. Right. It's about the nation, it's about the whole country. And right. about and about that discomfort, how are you then going to make sure that teachers who teach LO aren't uncomfortable to teach these sensitive topics? Because some of them, maybe because of their values or whatever it is that influences them, feel ooh, still taboo the way the parents would to tell their own kids about sex. Um, so how are you going to manage that? No, they've gone through training. They're training that they know. In fact, universities right now, are doing a very good job of taking our student teachers through uh, life orientation and how to handle these difficult topics. 
because in fact some of our teachers were telling us fact, one teacher was telling me yesterday that you know parents are outraged by this and yet their kids are asking us difficult questions in the classroom which shows that there's a thirst for the right information and if no one is talking about it they will find it from their friends or they will find it on youtube they will see these things and think that what they are seeing is the truth so there is a need for an adult person who is professionally trained, qualified, and suitably skilled to mediate this content that we are seeing and reality. Okay. Because the two are not necessarily the same. So yeah. it's training, but also making sure that the teachers are informed and made aware that it's not about them. Your discomfort cannot stand in the way of the job that must be done. Okay. Right. Now, now sexual a- uh, education would have all sorts of aspects to it. It's not simply a question of health. Does the this, this proposed pilot project include things such as uh, sex for pleasure, or does it also include things like consent, uh, what rape is, where, what sexual assault is, what the consequences that are, seeing as we have a really big problem, not just with the act of, of, of falling pregnant or, or, or contracting HIV, but consent and sexual assaults, you know, sexual violence, particularly against young girls. Is that part of the piloted program? Yeah, it's there. In fact, it's the curriculum that actually has that. That curriculum that we say is 19 years old now Mm. has always had those topics. Uh, It's just that now we want all our teachers to teach this thing in a uniform way everywhere. So those things are there, but they are not there everywhere. Because in grade four, you can't talk about relationships because, uh, and, and consent because it's a concept that is not uh, appropriate for kids at that point. But uh, for those that are in high school, um, it's something that they need to, to, to know about because a large majority of them are already exposed to it. And we know that some of them already have children. Some of them, by the time they get to matric, they already have two kids. It means that their sexual debut has already uh, started. In fact, we're finding from research that it's it's starting even earlier. So the earlier, the better, but we deliver age-appropriate content, and we started appropriately giving generic stuff so that they understand themselves and their bodies and which body parts are sacred and that they need to know that they must respect themselves and that other people must also respect them. Mm. Privacy and, uh, you know, the whole issue of your personal space and that if anyone wants to touch you, you need to run away and protect yourself. So we're also arming them with skills on how to identify potential dangers, especially from sexual data. Mm. Uh, consent, yes, is there because it's, it starts with you understanding your body and that you are important and that no one should touch you if you don't want to. So if you allow someone, you need to understand what you're doing so that, you know, you're able to handle that. And it's exactly that that we're talking to this kid about. And as we go on, it's not sex education, it's sexuality education as well. Because we want these kids to understand that if someone says they're intersex, gay, lesbian, or transgender, what does that mean? And we say to them, none is more important than the other. We're all equal before the law. We're all equal before everyone, everything. So there's a need for everyone to enjoy a good quality education, equal opportunities for people. Environment must be such that everyone feels welcome anywhere. So those are the basic 
principles that we give them about life in general, good habits, respect for self and others, and all those good things that we want them to know. All right. Well, if you are joining the conversation, we are almost wrapping up. We're speaking to the spokesperson of the Department of Education, Mr. Elijah Mtlanga, and we're talking about the curriculum um, that is being piloted at the moment to five provinces, which is going to better improve how sexuality education will be taught in our schools. So, Mr. Mtlanga, we don't have much time anymore. We're supposed to actually be wrapping up right now. Uh, what is it then that you would like to make sure that the public takes into consideration after this conversation? Um, what Are people scared for nothing? Um, how should we be approaching this? Because people are scared that the education is extremely graphic, etc. So what's your take on that? No, no, no. There was a misunderstanding there. You see, that's the problem, that uh, people chose to com- communicate on behalf of the department and they miscommunicated, and in fact, we know that it was deliberate. They were confusing the teacher book, the learner, I mean, the, the, the teacher resource book, the teacher guide, yeah. which has detailed information on how the teacher should be training. It's not a book for the learner. Mm. The learner has their own book, which is different from what the teacher would have. So the way the information was projected, it made it look like the teacher book, which has graphic detail, is the learner book, which is not the correct. That's the other lie that we've had to fix. So the teacher book is one thing which is going that way. The learner book is going the other direction. And in between, there is a scripted lesson document, okay. right. which is the plan that the teacher is using. Right. So these are tools for the teacher, not the learner. The learner has their own book, which is written differently. All right. right. Now, Mr. Mtlanga, the last question, uh, uh, I have to ask you this quickly. Uh, Can a parent opt out and say, my child, I don't want this for my child. Please give me a form to release my child from this pilot. Why did you, why did you not opt out 19 years ago or 18 years ago or 15 years ago or 10 years ago because the curriculum has not changed? Yes. Why why would you want to opt out now? What has changed? Nothing that has changed. Well, what I'm saying is a parent might say to themselves, whether it's a, regardless of whether it's a changed curriculum or it's the same curriculum, to say, but this is something I don't want my child to be part of. Is that an option or not? No, no. You see, your child will fail because it means that there will be a subject which they will not be adequately be taught about. Right. In fact, it would be a shame if a parent who says I want to opt out because it will then be exposing that person to the fact that they don't know what children are being taught in school. We urge parents to check their homework, ask your kids, how was the day today? What did you learn? If we were to have that conversation every day, you would know what kids are learning. Mm. So if, if you say you are going to opt out on your child's face, who are you going to play? Mm. Mm. All right. No, thank you for that answer. Um, I, it, it's one that we need to know. So the, it is part of the curriculum, and if the child takes the subject, they should take the, 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 the sex education as part of the subject. All right, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. All right, that was Mr. Mshanga. Very informative uh, conversation that we had there. Um, and um, it seems as though there's quite a bit of miscommunication about what is actually um, being proposed. Mm. So, And I'm glad he cleared up a few things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll speak to our, the, the, the guests coming up soon i think we we've got them on the line and it's not much longer till we can speak to them remember you're speaking to millicent and uh and tapo 
and you can participate in the conversation on Twitter at ValFM using the hashtag LawFocused and um, on WhatsApp you can WhatsApp us on 084-078-4912 it's just gone 27 minutes uh, past uh, 7 o'clock and we're discussing sex education and all of the controversies sexuality around. education hey? sexuality education is what Mr. Klanga says sexuality education oh okay okay is that is that the name okay sexuality education okay that's, that's 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 actually very appropriate i suppose because it covers a lot of different exactly yes very appropriate not just sex education um and and i think it was very good to um to, to, to talk about it with him, you know, to be able to um, really understand from the apartment point of view what's going. Let's take a quick break and um, we will be back with you just after this. Law Focus, Law 88.1, Point of Information. It's just gone 29 minutes after 7 o'clock. You are with Millicent and Tepo on Law Focus on 5M88.1. So we have just spoken to Elijah Mklanga from the Department of Basic Education and we're now going to move on to our second guest on the show who is Daniela Ellebeck. She is an attorney, a legal advisor and parliamentary liaison officer for Freedom of Religion. So it's one of the organizations that is not for this curriculum that we had just spoken about and she's going to explain what they feel is the problem here with the curriculum. Uh, hi, Daniela. Welcome to Law Focus. Hi, good evening, Melissa. Welcome. Um, thanks for having me again. Thank you. We appreciate you coming on again. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you were listening and you heard some of the things that Mr. Mklanga Elijah there had to say. Uh, you feel strongly against this curriculum. Why is that the case? Well, I think perhaps... Um the best place to start would be to put out what for their position is. So we're not saying that there's no place for sex education in schools. I mean, clearly there are high HIV infection rates, there's high um, teenage pregnancies, and obviously we live in a very diverse society with various forms of parental involvement in you know, various families. And so we agree that the department is finding itself between a rock and a hard place, really, of having to teach children about the responsibilities and repercussions and risks of having sex, um, where, you know, in many cases, for example, just in child-headed households, there is no parent to step into the gap and teach their children. Um, what we are saying is that with regards to this revision of the, um, of the sexuality education content that has taken place, um, parents and teachers who are the primary stakeholders um, were not adequately consulted. And that parents have the ability to see the um, CSE materials before the lessons are taught and have the right to decide whether or not they deem it um, appropriate for their child. And if they say that, you know, look, for my 10-year-old child, I don't agree that this is um, something that he should be exposed to, that it's appropriate for him, um, their decision must be respected um, without sanction. So that is our position, is that there was an adequate consultation, which we can see because we've got um, the school federation governing body and the teachers' union up in arms after some of the material um, that the department gave to Parliament um, was made available on the internet, their reaction, um, that they were saying this isn't what was discussed with them at all by the department. And parents saying that no one has spoken to us about this and I want to know you know, what my child is going to be taught. And now, you know, if 
your neighbour feels that it's absolutely fine for the um, government to teach the child whatever it is um, about sexuality education that they, they deem fit, but you don't feel that way. Because um, I think we need to remember that sex is not a value-neutral subject. It can never be value-neutral medicine. I mean, it's unlike mathematics, where one plus one is going to equal um, two in South Africa, and it's going to equal two in Uganda, and it's going to equal two in Switzerland. Um, sex cannot be taught from a value-neutral perspective. It's always going to have a value slant and judgment um, contained in it. Mm. So, yes, that is, our, that is our perspective, basically. It's one, there was an adequate consultation, and two, parents should be able to see the books that you're planning on teaching to our children. And if I don't agree with it, then... Then that's it. I think um, we've lost Daniela there on the line. It seems mm. to have cuts. I think we need to try and get Daniela back on the line again. Um, the line has cut. So it's interesting what she's saying. So uh, education, um, not all subjects are value neutral is the argument that Daniela is making. And life skills, life orientation, sexuality education is one of those things. It is not something that, um, you know, is like mathematics or anything else for, for in, in particular yeah. so Daniela you, you are you back you are Daniela? back yeah okay uh, I don't think we've got Daniela back on the line Not yet quite, no. yeah yeah but I'm um, interesting that um, it's direct contrast to what Mr. Mtlanga was saying extremely with so. regard to um, how much consultation and so on and research had taken place uh, that uh, Mr. Mtlanga seemed to be suggesting that a massive amount of research had taken place hello Daniela are you back I'm here. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> Sorry. Apologies. Sorry, we Apologies. couldn't hear you. Yeah. Um, okay. We wanted to uh, right. we apologize for that. We, we, we no, just, that's absolutely fine. I'm just glad that we're, we're, we're back on two-way communication here. Okay. Um, we just had the, the Department of Basic Education spokesperson on. And he oh, raised... A, yes, yeah. he raised a couple of things. Firstly, that uh, they haven't rolled out the new curriculum or the, the amended curriculum and that they're only rolling out a pilot project which will affect roughly 300 pupils. Secondly, yeah. that those pupils uh, that whom it would affect, um, whoever is connected to that has been consulted um, quite extensively. So that will be the parents, the teachers involved in that pilot project. Uh, and then thirdly, that the material which is being bantered around as being the educational material is not. It's, in fact, the training material for the teachers, which is far more in-depth and graphic than, than the other one, uh, which would be presented to the learner. Uh, uh, have you got an opinion about that? What are the facts exactly there? Because these are two very different sides, perhaps of the same coin, or maybe not even talking about the same coin here. Okay, well, let's perhaps start with um, the rollout. Um, so I met with various members of parliament yesterday, and they said that they had been told by the department that this is going to be rolled out by 2020. Hmm. So actually we've asked for answers about when this is going to be rolled out because we know that there are pilot projects available um, that the department has been doing where they've been testing this um, content. Which brings me to the second um, bit that you raised about um, consultation. Because actually one of the reports um, that uh, is available is the Midline Report, which looks at the pilot projects that have been rolled out in five provinces. 
And instead of measuring whether or not, you know, the new content or the revised curriculum content is effective at reducing HIV infection rates and teenage pregnancies and sexual promiscuity and so forth, um, the Midland Report measures attitudes of parents, teachers, school governing bodies, school management teams and so forth, right? And what I found is basically that no one was in favor of the new content, which gives you an adequate picture of how much consultation took place. And on top of that, the Midland Report goes further to conclude that our cultural taboos as South Africans are a key barrier to the implementation of comprehensive sexuality education and that instead of changing the sexuality education content to fit in with the values and morals of South Africans, because South Africans, you know, across cultural groupings um, and, um, you know, even different provinces, are much more conservative than our Western counterparts in, say, Switzerland, Sweden, Los Angeles, and so forth. Um, And instead of changing the content to fit in with our morals, and I found this the most shocking, they decided that the best way to go forward is to draft orientation manuals for parents, teachers, you know, and so forth, school governing bodies, to orientate us around the content. And so there is your level of consultation. Honestly, right. and for well, me, it also just hit home, sorry, on the quick consultation mm. point, um, just before we proceed, and I'm aware that I'm monologuing, for which I apologize, um, <laughs> no is that, you know what, after the scripted lesson plans for teachers were um, made available on the internet, um, after Forest Age wrote into Parliament and took photos of the books that the department had given Parliament after Parliament said, what is going on? Mm. Um, you know, the, the South African Teachers Union and the Federation of School Governing Bodies in South Africa, I think their reaction alone tells you that there wasn't sufficient consultation. Mm-hmm. They were absolutely and utterly aghast, and they said that this is not what was made available to them at all. Um, the South African Teachers Union actually said that they, if a teacher refuses to teach the content, um, because um, you said that it's more graphic than what's in the learner workbooks, for example, if you were a teacher in grade eight, you would have to describe to learners. So describe, not explain, describe to learners um, vaginal intercourse, oral sex, and anal intercourse. Yeah. Um, you know, so for many teachers, bearing in mind that most teachers are female, they will be in a class of over 40 pupils, male and female, having to describe things that they probably have no knowledge of, honestly and which they might have conscientious objections to. And the South African Teaching Union actually said that they found the content grossly inappropriate and that they would defend any teacher who refuses to teach it in court. Right. So for me, that is an adequate full stop at what type of consultation has taken place. Right. And but you can g- see that orientation is not consultation. Given that you you just I suppose admitted that South Africa is more conservative, say, uh, than our Western counterparts, many South Africans would parents would be you know almost inherently against uh, most of the teachings um, yeah, because they're quite graphic, etc., etc. Mm. Now, and perhaps it doesn't fit with our mores, as you as as you might put it, but. If I put it like this, 30 years ago, homosexuality was considered to be against most of our mores. And now, 
given the changes in the law, in, in part the changes in the law and also the, 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 the adaptation of the law, it's now become generally acceptable to be gay in our, not only acceptable but celebrated because it's part of individuality. Isn't, mm. isn't the change in curriculums, change in laws, changing in so on, uh, part of a tool to change the way in which we think? Is that not a legitimate way of changing the way in which we think? Hmm. Let me flip that question and ask you if you would be happy as a parent if um, you weren't consulted on something that contained value and your input wasn't required and not only was your input not asked, um, you, it was said that your child would have to mandatory learn something um, that was against your values and that you have no say in the matter. Would you not want to say in the matter that of something like sexuality education that is value, like it's, it's covered in values from the bottom up? Yes. Um, yes. Exactly. And that that is what it comes down to, is that our children aren't an experiment. They're not, they're not something for a social experiment to be conducted on. And all we're saying is for the department that, you know, parents should be consulted, Teachers who are going to teach this should be consulted. You as a parent should be allowed to see the books beforehand. And if you decide that it's inappropriate for your 10-year-old to be learning about really graphic sexual assault, then you, can, you should be able to opt your child out and say, look, I'm going to teach my child about this at home rather. Because for me, that was my reaction when I looked at the materials, is that they were graphic and explicit more than what was necessary. We're not saying don't teach children about these things. We're saying that the level of detail is inappropriate and that parents, teachers weren't consulted. And you can't just make it mandatory on something that is value-ridden. Okay. It's not a social experiment for the state. All right. Well, thank well, you, thank Daniela. Well, thank you, Daniela. I'm sorry you've run out yeah, of time. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there. We but could talk about this one for a very long time. Mm, it needs much more time. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So, up next, we're going to have our final guest on the show, who is going to be Yaku Deacon, and he is the CEO of Fed... Yeah, no? So, the Federation of Governing Bodies of South African Schools. Yes. So, he is the Deputy CEO of that, and he's also an education law author, and he's going to... He is joining us now on the line to, to help us uncover um, what he has to, um, you know, try and analyze what both the guests have said. We're going to first have a short break and when we come back we speak to Yaku. Bringing you the facts. Handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome back to uh, Vow FM 88.1. I remember that this is Law Focus. You can follow us on Twitter, Vow FM, or at Vow FM using the hashtag Law Focus. Remember our WhatsApp line is 084-078-4912. We've now got Yaku Deakin on the line. And he's an, um, uh, an education law author and a CEO, the CEO of the Federation of Governing Bodies of South African Schools. We're discussing sex education and the proposed amendments. I don't know what to call them. Some say they're changes, others say no, it's a continuation. But that's what we're discussing today. Uh, Mr. Deacon, hello. Good evening, Yaku, is fine. Oh, hello, Yaku. <laughs> uh, um, thank you for joining us. We, we're discussing a topic which will be very close to many people's hearts because um, it is a very intimate part of our lives, um, everybody's life, I suppose. Um, 
could you just give us an indication of, of what's the relationship between law and policies implemented in education? How does that work? We have an idea, we want to do something with education, and now we want to implement it. What's the process yes. and so on? Yeah, no, I think that that's a very good and important question. Before we talk about sex and sex education, uh, which will be part of the policy. Mm. Now, policy is number one, not law, but it should be founded on law. In other words, it must give effect to something to accomplish a specific purpose. So policy will come from your minister to say this is the policy framework. Um, Let's use language for, for now. We remember a few years ago, the National Department introduced a project we called the Incremental Introduction of an African Language. Mm. So there was a policy created to say we'd like to introduce this language for social cohesion and so forth. And then uh, through policy, it started to roll out in the provinces. But that was based on the Constitution and the process that followed in terms of the SA Schools Act. And all the appointments of the educators then happened in terms of the employment of educators. So policy, without being founded in legislation, will simply be a newsletter that will be sent out to schools. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> well, as a policymaker, uh, Yaku, do you think then that sexuality education, which seems to be the real issue here, uh, should be introduced to learners, and at what grade? I think uh, currently we don't really know what's going to happen because in terms of the law-making process, there should be a consultation process from the education department with stakeholders like your parents and your unions and governing body associations. So what we currently see is what's based on uh, what's been leaked to the media. So we haven't been formally part of the consultation process we're still waiting to see what's going to happen and we've got our meeting at the end of this month mm. but the consultation process is important because if, if you look at our schools act and the composition of the constitution we don't have uh, state schools we've got public schools so the public and parents by name should have a major say in what's happening at the school. And that comes directly from the Education White Paper 1, which laid the foundation for the new education dispensation, which states that parents or guardians have the primary responsibility for the education of their children and have got a right to be consulted by education authorities. So in, in that sense, something as sensitive as sex education, uh, and, and if I can interrupt myself, I think it's important that we do have proper sex education on a school level. But that should be uh, discussed before implementation. Your partners in education don't want to hear this in the media mm-hmm. or hear that something's being presented at Parliament at the Portfolio Committee without having this discussion with, with, with your stakeholders. Now, we spoke to Mr. Mshanga earlier, and he mentioned two things which, to me, will stand out perhaps for you as, um, uh, as part of your, of your body. Where he said, firstly, that it isn't a massive change. It's uh, just a, a, um, an adjustment in the yeah. way that it's being delivered. That's the first one, which I thought was interesting. Okay, but um, the next one was that it's a pilot project at the moment, affecting only roughly 300,000 uh, learners, and that those learners who would have been affected and the people around them have been properly consulted. Now, there seems to be a little bit of confusion. Could you clear that up for me? Is that adequate? No, Let's assume no, no, that... It doesn't, doesn't work like that. Even before you start the pilot project, 
you start to consult. Okay. Right. And then parties will agree before you roll out all over the country, pilot in specific schools, and then you also consult with those school communities. Right. So I, I can confirm, as a governing body association, we're not satisfied with the process. We've uh, sent the documentation and our grievances through to the national department, and it's on our ad- agenda for our next meeting. Uh, but <clears throat> I think if you look at what's happening in our country, the gender-based violence, the sexual mm, violence, mm. sexual activity between learners and educators and learners and learners, I think there's a desperate need for something, uh, and that discussion should take place at home or within your community. And if it's not happening there, then obviously the school should take responsibility to assist our children to make better life choices or to make informed life choices. So as FETFOS, we're not against uh, sex education in schools, but we say there's three important things. Number one, uh, we need to involve education specialists, developmental psychologists to develop the material that's age appropriate, number one. Number two, we need to train the educators that will present this. I don't think they are trained. Most of the feedback we get is that they're not willing to do it as it is. And number three, don't alienate your school community and your parents. So journey with your school community and your parents, and your school community is broader than just your parents or the guardians. That will also involve your your religious leaders, the NGOs in that school community, that must take ownership and assist the learners in their life choices and assist parents to have these discussions at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I'm glad you, 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 you pointed that out because I think my other concern... On the one hand, it's about learners and those who might feel that they are not mentally ready for the contents, um, you know, at that at that grade, maybe even in grade four, you feel this child feels this is just overwhelming for for me. And then you've got mm-hmm. teachers who themselves aren't confident uh, in actually teaching those contents. And I don't know how effective what the department is doing in trying to get them to be ready um, for this very mammoth task is going. So what's your take on that, on, on, on learners especially, who, and both teachers, I guess? Yeah, I think we'll be in a position to answer that the moment the department starts to play open cards, to show the material to the South African community and to start to interact with the stakeholders. Mm. So it's difficult to comment on the content or what they propose to do if they haven't yet discussed that with us. With you. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. I think that will that should be the first step. Yeah. And if we do get the material from the national department, then we would like to, to get sufficient time to consult with, with, with governing bodies, to get experts in to advise us to specifically address that to con- those two concerns. Right. Are we going to deal with those learners? How should we assist the teachers, but if we don't know the content, then it's really difficult to, to answer the question. So if we yeah. don't know the content, is it possible that perhaps that we are being, the country's being hysterical and is panicking for, for nothing really? The problem is, the longer the department delay to really put the information out there, the more chaos and pandemonium they will create in the process. So what we've seen in the media so far is information that was leaked through another NGO on what they've observed at the portfolio committee meeting in parliament. So if that's really the material the department intends to introduce in 2020, it's not a minor change. 
And it's not a pilot project. It's definitely not that was communicated at, at the portfolio committee meeting. So I think it's important for the national department to really come clear, clean on this, put out the information, and consult with the stakeholders before we start this rollout process. Yeah. They, are, they are creating the confusion in the system. Yeah. We're almost out of time, but I'd like to ask you this. We have a conservative um, population. We are far uh, um, further behind, I would, I would uh, uh, say, in terms of this type of conversation than other democracies are. And do we, is it really that surprising that um, uh, we have these kinds of conversations? What I mean is, do we as South Africans actually accept that sex education is necessary and that sometimes it's not going to be a pleasant conversation and that our children will sometimes get uncomfortable. Is that something that the South African mindset is is willing to accept at the moment? Are we not hiding behind our religion, our, our whatever our culture or whatever the case may be, when in reality what we're afraid of is discussing our sex? Yeah. Now, I, I don't think that's the position. I think the lack of discussion is our problem. So if we do get a discussion on the table, get it official on the table, mm. we're a democracy now. So conversation should be part and parcel on how we do things, the consultation, and to eventually get to a point where we can say this will take us as a country forward. So use our democratic rights and responsibilities to lead the conversation. But that's not happening from the department side. They're actually taking us back into an old system that we've abolished 20 odd years ago, where the state take decisions on what we can see, what we cannot see, how we should conduct ourselves. So we're open for the conversation and we'll challenge school communities to have this conversation. Mm. In a public school, you need to consider the specific circumstances of your community before you introduce policy and documentation and so forth in your school community. So conversation is part and parcel of what we do and how we do things. And therefore, we are so disappointed in the National Department on how they've handled this specific topic. Okay, those are very strong words. Thank you so huh? much, Yaku Deacon, um, for, for joining us. Those are very strong words indeed. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Thanks. You too, sir. Sure, that is it that we have for tonight. Uh, it was a packed show. I see our time is literally up, so we are, we, I don't know, how do we even wrap up? Uh, Tapo, quickly? I'm giving you 30 seconds. No, I, I think the guests have said everything, that, everything. They, that they need to say. If you're a parent, pay attention to what is going on in your school's, in your child's school curriculum. Definitely. I think this is a very interesting conversation. Our podcasts are available. Visit vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law and that's where you're going to find this podcast as well as all our other shows that we have done and we'd like to give a, a, a huge gratitude to Elijah Mklanga spokesperson from the Department of Education whom we started off with this evening followed by Daniela Illebeck who is an attorney as well as a parliamentary liaison for freedom of religion and Yakut Deacon was the last voice that you heard there and he is the deputy CEO of Federation of Governing Bodies of South African Schools. The conversation may continue on Twitter uh, at uh, using the hashtag law focus and let's let's continue let's continue talking about this up next is the voice of hip-hop with caesar the mc dlxl as well as celeste king from our producer simba honde our technical producer kutlano sirame our law focus researcher sisetu zingelwa naoka mamade siklemo namasi pati makafani tapo mohapi and myself melissa ndiweni thank you for tuning into law focus tonight good night law focus ending you your rights Law Focus Podcast is also available on iTunes. 
Search Law Focus.